Well, hello and welcome to another episode of A Couple With Mental Health. I hope you've all got your brews, your teas, your coffees and although I have to admit it is pretty damn warm today so I think I wouldn't mind if you went for a cold drink. I think my guest today has done the same with a Pepsi Max. Woohoo! <laughs> Not promoting, just stating. Definitely. <laughs> um, so first of all, I'd like her to introduce herself. Well, hello, um, I'm Zoe. Um... A little bit about myself, I guess. Um, I'm 33. Uh, I live in Sheffield. I'm in a band called uh, called Shonen. Been in a few bands before. Um, into art. Uh, got two ch- children. Married. Blah de blah. House. All that sort of stuff. I'm happy. Woo. <laughs> First of all, I'd like to state that me and Zoe have known each other now for well over a decade, yes, and uh, she's one of my close friends of mine. So it's uh, nice to have you on. Yay! Thanks for having me. So, what we generally what I generally do is talk through mental health, um, your experiences, what you've what you've experienced, your opinions of it. So first of all, have you experienced any mental health issues yourself? Yes, over the past, gosh, all my life, pretty much. Um, when I was about seven, I was taken into the school office for being a troubled child. Uh, and this was probably because I was being bullied at the time by other kids, but I reacted badly by lashing out um, and scratching windows and vandalism and stuff like that. Never had a bad upbringing, just started from there and spiralled. I have a mother with possible mental health issues. She's always struggled with uh, emotions and stuff like that, so it's probably come down from her. Um, but yeah, it spiralled from being about seven, went up to secondary school, it got worse. Um, didn't really change until I got, well, it never really changed. It went in dips and dips and mountains, pretty much. Fair enough. Uh, you say that your mother has um, possible mental health issues. Yeah. Did you see a lot of that as she was growing up? No, she used to hide it from us. She used to, if she was upset, she'd she'd go off and she'd cry. And I know about it now because she told me about it. But I don't rem. I can remember my mother probably crying once or twice when I was growing up, which is probably about normal for most kids. Um, but she used to hide a lot of it, and she used to cry when we'd gone to bed and stuff like that, which is pretty much what most parents would probably do now yeah as a parent i know that myself that you try and hide your emotions from your kids anyway because you don't want to upset them do you think that's a healthy thing to do do you think that affected you more that you didn't see that or do you think it would have been a better thing for you to see that to understand your own emotions i think i'd have probably liked to have seen a little bit more of it um but i don't know i think she was quite a proud mother or proud person where she didn't want to express the feelings on other people Mm. but yeah I do think it might have helped a little bit more with what I was feeling and helped me learn better coping mechanisms basically Mm -hmm. because how I used to go it was it was I'd be all right for ages and then I'd explode and then I'd be alright for ages and then I'd explode and I'd have like manic episodes of really, really bad depression mm. and they'd last for however long they lasted. But yeah, so I think it would definitely have helped. Never saw anything from my dad. He was just sat 
chilling out most of the time. Quite quite a common <laughs> thing. Quite a dad thing to do with it. Well, the figures state that, and I've stated this on a podcast before, that most uh, mental health issues, 50% of mental issues, are generally established by the age of 14. Mm. Um, and from what you're saying, yours have obviously been established a little bit before mm, then. Yeah. So and the, the rest, they say that 75% of them are established by the age of 24. So childhood has got quite a lot to do with a lot of mental health yeah. issues. I do, I do find that when you talk to older people about it, when I was, uh, when I was 17, 18, yeah, 17, 18, I was at college, but I was working part-time at the hospital, and I was working with an older lady, like a really old lady, um, to sort of like 40s-ish mm-hmm. ladies. Yeah. And I was going through serious depression, like, um, to the point of going a bit too far, if you get me, so Mm -hmm. maybe to the point of suicide, which was horrible. Um, And they told me, you can't be depressed, you're too young. Like it has an age barrier, Uh, and it doesn't. There is an an old stigma mentality that you've got to have lived to have felt depression. Yeah, and that's not the case anymore, like with social media especially like that kids are on social media they get bullied from being quite young there's a lot of kids in school that bully other kids because they've got not the best shoes or not this or and it's horrible to see it and it's it it should be stamped out earlier but you don't see the safeguarding people working very well towards it Generally, in certain cases. seen as kids being kids. Yes, and it's just sort of brushed under the uh, the counter and it's, it shouldn't be like that. Acknowledge kids' feelings, basically. Yeah, yeah, because they are little people. They're just little people and they... They have the same feelings as we do, they're yeah, just in a smaller body. Yeah, and it's <laughs> harder to get uh, the feelings across, especially... I mean, I know how hard that is. I'm dyslexic and my brain doesn't always connect to my mouth quite well enough. Um, And I sometimes can't find the words to describe how I'm feeling. Um, And I do find that kids have that a lot more. So getting down to their level and actually talking to them about the same subject in different ways helps find out how they're feeling. And especially you find that with autistic children. Yeah. You speak to them a different way and try and explain how something is mm. they can then express how they're feeling a little bit better do you have um do you obviously understanding that do you do the same thing when it comes to your own children yes yes i get out to their level and i try and explain how uh it would make them feel i had to do it with somebody else's kid the other day which is really most people will hate this but kid ran off from mother and he was halfway down the road on his scooter mm-hmm. and bear in mind he'd gone round a corner and this is like busy school area where all the cars are going yeah. fast right when she found her son all she said is come here yeah I can and see I, why it would great and I went I'm not being funny but you need a little bit of a stronger punishment for that he's run off he could have got hurt seriously and he's He's autistic as well, so he sort of doesn't... The danger thing is not as strongly inbuilt yeah. to him. So you have to explain things to them. 
So I said to her, what you should do is take his scooter from him because that's something he actually loves mm. and then explain why you've taken the scooter from him. And it took us probably about 15 minutes to get a little bit further away and he was just, he was inconsolable and didn't want to talk to anybody. So I went down to him and I got down to his level and I said, you imagine if you were in Meadow Hall, so big Sheff Sheffield shopping centre, just in case you're not in Sheffield. Um, and imagine if you lost your mummy and you couldn't find her anywhere and you were in this big, busy shopping centre, how would you feel at that moment? Mm. And as soon as I said that, he sort of clicked and yeah. it, he totally understood what I meant by don't run off, it's dangerous. Yeah. Mommy can't find you, mommy can't see you, mommy panics. Yeah. Uh, sort of flip the feeling. Flip the feelings, basically, and it explained to them in a different way that it's not always the right thing what you're doing, but this is why it's not right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, as you've got older, um, have you, with your own mental health issues, what help have you seeked and how have you, you managed it yourself? Right, well, by the time I got to secondary school, let's go back, so I ended up having uh, teacher conferences at little school, mm -hmm. and that's all it was, and it was basically going to the head office every now and again with the main person and being talked at. Then I went to secondary school, and secondary school found a suicide note in one of my books, and they instantly took me out of class in front of everybody, dragged me to the head office, and I had to see a counsellor. Mm -hmm. This counsellor uh, wasn't very helpful, let's put it that way. She, yeah. she I didn't feel at ease with her mm. either, which didn't help. Um, she just seemed like a really old adult to me that was just going to patronise me. Obviously, yeah. I probably didn't know that word at that time, but yeah, that's... Yeah. Um, and she said to uh, talk my feelings out and um, draw. Yeah. Because I've always been into art. Then I got told not long after being told to draw, you'll never amount to anything in art by my art teacher, which then destroyed all confidence I had and stopped doing it. So every time you've been built up a little bit, you've a been little bit knocked down. down again. Yeah. yeah. Uh, eventually went to college. Didn't necessarily get bullied at college, but I still had... So at secondary school and at primary school, I had a bully who lived probably about five doors up from me. Okay. And five doors down from me. Uh -huh. So, so bang literally, in the middle. as soon as I left my house in the morning, I'd have to stand at the same bus stop as these people, otherwise I'd have to walk halfway across the village. Uh, they were they were nasty individuals. And one day I eventually just flipped and got one of them. But, yeah. Um, so I ended up going to college. Didn't really get bullied there, but I still had, like, people those people from little school and senior school still around me so I could never really get away from them so the feelings were always there that they were going to be um, I don't know like 
they, they were always demons sat on my shoulders, basically, because I knew every time I'd leave, they'd always be there. That's how a lot of people feel. It is like a demon sat yeah. on their shoulder. Yeah. And it's, um, so, yeah, I went to college. I got help at co- uh, college. They found out I was dyslexic. So I went through all the way through school with no extra help, thinking yeah. that I was just dumb, to being told, oh, yeah, you're not dumb. Here's the extra help. Got the extra help, started to excel, started doing really well in college, decided to go to uni. Didn't get any extra help at uni. Ended up regressing back into my shell. Started getting bullied because of where I was from. Mm. Ridiculously. Apparently my accent is common. Common. Um, that, that comes down to a lot of people within the uni status. Not so much now, but uni was still was, was seen as somewhere that you went if you had money. Yeah, and we're talking like... 13 years ago I went to uni, so 15 years ago I started uni, so it's a long time It's been a big flip since then. It's been a big change, but, so they, like, the people I lived with, fair enough, some of them were absolutely brilliant, I made some really good friends at uni, especially Kate, I I met Kate, she was a brilliant girl, Uh, she also had mental health issues at uni, which I found really helpful because I had somebody to talk to. I think that's another thing I'm just going to interject there, is, um, People, I found that people who have mental health issues tend to navigate towards each other because yeah. it is that understanding of you're not necessarily like me, but you have an understanding of the struggles that I go through. Yeah. In and a different... you know where I'm, sort of where I'm feeling, not all the time, but some of the time. You know what I'm feeling, you know, you know I mean, how I'm going to react. I which... do feel that can be a, a positive and a negative. Yeah. Because a positive, you've got somebody who else understands you, but a negative is you're both fighting battles, it's blind leading the blind. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then uh, um, yeah, so I ended up being bullied, uh, progressively got worse, and I ended up turning to a lot of things that I probably shouldn't have, and I'm not saying what, because if my dad or mum hear this, I'd rather they never know these things. <laughs> Fair um, enough. Which is fine. Um, That's between and, me and you in the podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, basically, I'd like, like, I regressed so much that I ended up almost uh, bulimic. I was anorexic. I was not eating. And I was basically in a serious state of disrepair in my brain. And my parents came and saw me. And literally the words that came out of my mum's mouth were, I'm taking you home to look after you. And it... You don't think that you ever need that as a adult, but you, you always do. You like. Did, did you feel a relief? Yeah, really did. I was sad to go because of the friends that I'd made, but I knew it was the best thing for me, and I knew I needed to get away from the people I was around was because it, it was only going to get worse. Was it the final acknowledgement that it's not just in my head, it's... It's real. It's real. It's a real struggle. Um... I, I don't know because I've been so yeah through all these times I've been back and forth to the doctors I've had multiple doctors tell me that it's in my head that I'm crazy I've had doctors prescribe me Prozac um, sertraline pretty much every single one I can think of. Prozac almost made me commit suicide by jumping out of a window. There is um, 
there is a lot of side effects and uh, I, again as well as what I said last time I'm not medically trained but uh, I do advise anybody that is going to take medication just to check the side effects because sometimes doctors don't always say or oh, don't they have don't tell you they they don't have the time and I think that's another issue when it comes down to the NHS is not the time to tell you the side yeah. effects and also when you when you've got depression or something like that you end up overthinking the side effects I think as well yeah because I, I could say that from from experience I've I've overthought a lot of side effects and then they end up happening because you're overthinking them and yeah. you're like oh I feel really sick I'm really in pain and it's like now nah, that's just my brain doing it to me um but the doctors that I've seen I mean I went um how long ago uh probably about two oh, about a year ago now when my uncle died and I needed help and I literally went to the doctor and said I need help mm. I don't need tablets I need help yeah and their reaction was to put me on tablets there was no help it was instantly well you need to be on these and did, then I came off them again because, did, did they get off any courses no Nothing. They offered nothing this time. I've been offered those before. I've been to courses. The courses have not really helped me personally, but I can see why they help other people. It's more like a self-help sort of thing. You have to like understand why you're feeling in a certain way and help so yourself. So you went through like, stuff like CBT? Uh, I've been something through like that. It was a... So you have to go and see a psychiatric nurse or something like that, and they sort of sit you there and do loads of tick boxes and all that sort of rubbish. So the the generalisation of all is one rather than an yeah. individual case. Yeah, I hate it. I actually hate it because you have to do um, so a tick box set up of how you're feeling today and how you're fe- how you've been feeling for the past week and then how you've been feeling over the past 6 months obviously if you if you tick anywhere on the i'm feeling okay mm. they don't care they literally don't care about you and they don't think that um i don't think they believe people if they have a good day Generally, you think that you're supposed to have bad days. Generally, the concises of what I've seen, and this is from my own experiences, is that it has to have stu- stood constantly for two weeks before. Yeah. And, um, and I know for myself, I've been there, and obviously for you, it doesn't quite work it like that. Doesn't. You have, um, depending on what sort of depression and what sort of mental health problems you've got, you have different time frames that your body will shut down for. Mm. mine can be personally anywhere from five minutes up to like two weeks yeah maybe even longer i've probably had a period a bit longer that was earlier in my life but i've known you long enough to know that if i've not heard from you in two weeks and i'm to to come in that that's another thing is i'm going to say this outright to people if you've not if somebody you speak to has gone quiet for two weeks reach out yeah, because, because we've kind of got a safeguard between each other. She knows yeah. I suffer at times, and so uh, I know Zoe suffers from time to time. Yeah. If it's two weeks we haven't heard from each other, we're reaching out because yeah. we are we are each other's safeguard. Yeah. 
We are. And it's it's it is good to have that and it is good to be able to talk to somebody who, like you say, feels the way that you feel at times. And obviously we have different reasons why we've we've got the issues we have. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like I say, I've had a brilliant upbringing. Both my parents were there. Both of them worked. Do you know what I mean? I never wanted for anything. We had consoles when we were kids, but it, it doesn't discriminate. That's another thing is that depression and along the lines of any mental health issue, it doesn't, there seems to be this idea that it's, I mean, for me, I speak from the stereotypical trauma of when I was growing up and everything that I've had to deal with, but then there's you on the other side of the scale who had this amazing upbringing and fantastic parents, even though you say your mum, your mum had her own issues, she still didn't put them on to yeah. you. She hid them away, which is terrible, but we'll yeah. deal with that. <laughs> um, but it, it's still one of those, there is no discrimination over who, so anybody out there that feels that because they had a terrific upbringing, they've not, they feel like they've got nothing to complain about and they still don't feel like something's right and they're feeling quite flat, generally flat, numb, and they don't know why, you don't need to look for the explanation of the trauma that hit you. It could be just, you just need to help explaining how you feel and how you, how your own mind works around certain stuff because everybody is different. Yeah, definitely. So as you've got older, have you seen things make it worse, things get better, in, and in what way? Hmm, uh, well, I'd, uh, I'd say... I'm better than when I was at secondary school because <laughs> I have less emotions flying around me um, as we, when Hormones, you're a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, oh my God, nobody wants to be a teenager. Um, yeah, it, it's got more copable. I sort of know the signs of it's going to happen. So you've got self-awareness. Yeah, I can, I can sort of sense when I'm feeling slightly down or I can feel... Um. Explain how you feel it when you when you feel like you're going into a dip. How do you, how do you, your self awareness for it? Um, I usually become less talkative. That's what starts me off. Is I just don't really feel like talking as much. I mean, even with the kids talking to me, you have to obviously respond. But I sort of don't respond as much. Go through the motions. Yeah, and I just like wait for them to get to the end rather than going yes. Mm. Yes, I'll just be like, yeah, okay, at the end. But yeah, um, and I can also, I don't know, I sort of feel, you can sort of feel yourself deflating, which is a bit weird saying it, but it, you, you sort of lose the... Energy. Energy, yeah. You lose your energy and you don't want to do as much and you want to just sit down and you just want to build a fort and get inside it. But that's the start of it and you start feeling less and less motivated to do things and go places and go out of the house. Mm. And there are times where I do not want to leave the house. If I didn't have to do the school runs, I probably bloody wouldn't. But I do have to do them, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so, yeah, that's how. Do you think it's been tough as a mother to be able to handle all these as well as do your day-to-day? Definitely. Um, I... I don't just suffer with uh, mental health problems, but um, when when I was pregnant, I did get postnatal depression with both of them. 
and with the second one it was absolutely awful i just it it hit me um literally i was as i was giving birth to her and as i oh, it's okay as i held my daughter i couldn't even smile but they put me on tablets again where I felt nothing. So literally the doctors had said I needed to be on these tablets because I've got mental health problems. Mm -hmm. And that because I'd had a postnatal depression before, it would stop it happening again, or hopefully stop it happening again. Mm. And the last four months of my pregnancy, I felt nothing. I felt no joy, no happiness, no sadness, no anything. I just felt numb. numb. And it was horrible. And literally, when I held her in my arms, I felt numb. And it's horrible to have said that. And I suppose I don't quite have the same bond as I got with Dylan because of that. Um, as the repression with Dylan didn't quite hit until about two days after, actually. Um, but you still had that initial bond, whereas you still, didn't get yeah, that chance. Yeah, I didn't get that chance with Olivia because they'd stripped that from me. And I don't think that having um, medication always helps. It doesn't always help. So Some people it helps. Some people, to get that numb feeling will help them. But for me, I need to feel happy or sad. I can't just have... Nothing. Nothing. Because it's, it's not how people should live. Uh, I think that's the thing is... Med my personal opinion is medication is a stepping stone to help you sometimes yes it is needed as a constant but it's also used as a stepping stone to understand how well initially medication for this for for any mental health issue was generally used as a stepping stone to help you understand you whereas now yes there are cases where people do need it as a constant but i think you should be looking at the person as an individual to understand them and their feelings, their thoughts, what sets them off, their triggers. Yeah. And none of that, so if you help build on their triggers, they become self-aware. Like, you've figured out your own way of managing and self-awareness on your own. Yeah. It could have saved a lot of hassle later on if you was given the stepping stones to build on those yourself earlier on. Yeah, I mean, the times that I've been put on this medication, I don't even want to be put on the medication I've even said to the doctors I don't want to be on this medication and then I come home and I take it because they've told me if I don't take it that you know they're worried they're no. worried and that you know something could happen and I'm like I'm really not that bad or you know I, I just need somebody to talk to that's not within my group that I can sort of Get an unbiased opinion. To, yeah, get everything out to that I feel comfortable with, that's not going to judge me, that's not going to... Because, like, with something like my daughter... There could be a lot of judgment if you were to speak out about can it. Can you imagine? Yeah. Like, I'm even upset about saying it, but there is judgment. I, I would... Like, you should always be, like, 100% love your child. Like, yeah, I wish I could have felt that straight away. I'm, I would honestly say there are hundreds, if not thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of mothers that have felt that same way. Yeah. I, I personally, one, I found it hard to connect with my daughter when, when I first had her because I was 17 and I had no idea what the hell I was doing. Yeah. And 
not. <laughs> and I think there are a lot of mothers that want to hear that they're not on their own, that they feel this way, but they feel so so much of judgment because they want to be such the perfect mother. Yeah. There is there is such a, a thing of, oh, everybody has to be the perfect mother. You have to do this, you have to do right. And, and obviously then there's the new things of what to eat, what to feed them, what to do with them, what to play with them, whether or not you give it. There's so much around it that you come out and say, you know what, actually I'm not managing. Yeah. And you're so worried that people will go, Bloody burner at the stake. She's not been a good mother. That's what kicked it off with the first one, I think, because um, when I had Dylan, um, I only managed a little bit of breastfeeding. I didn't really get, I didn't really feel like he was latching on properly when I was in the hospital. And it continued when I got home, and even the midwife couldn't quite you know, help me. Yeah. As in, like, even when she showed me how to do it, I couldn't quite do it. Um, and Dylan lost that much weight that he was like, uh, he'd lost, what was it, 10.6 of his body weight overnight. And they were like, we're going to take him in if you don't get get him fed. And I'm like, I'm, I'm trying. trying. I, have, I have so, I was trying so hard, but it's just, I don't feel like it's working. And then like, you, you feel... guys aren't helping help me. And then I feel like I'm letting him down because you're telling me you're going to have to take him back to hospital. And then I'm starting to worry because he needs to eat. And I'm, and I literally just gave up trying to breastfeed him and just got a bottle. I, I literally felt thing. upset because this woman made me feel that way, that I'd basically not done the right thing for my child. In it. So I felt bad for having the baby and trying to do what everybody was telling me to do because breastfeeding's the best and da 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 no, da you've got to do it this there's way. There's also that thing of breastfeeding is the natural thing and you're not naturally doing it, so what, is there something wrong with you? Yeah. And it's not. Sometimes it's just not that easy. Sometimes it's not. And once I'd actually spoke to my mum about it, she said, look, I, did, I, I breastfed you for about two days. Because I couldn't do it. Mm. So it's not it's not just you. There yeah. are a lot of people that can't do it. And yeah. it's, I think that's what you find as well, is when, when people tell you, obviously, you've got to do it this way, you do try and make it that way. And yeah. if you can't do it that way, you get disheartened because you can't do it the way that everybody wants to do it. And that's the way they teach kids now as well. Yeah. It's like you conform and you do... You do your GCSEs, let's use this for an example. You do your GCSEs and you have to get the right question to the right answer because if you choose something else, and even even if you chose something else and then wrote why you thought it was that, that'd still be wrong. Mm. You're not allowed to have outward thoughts. You're not allowed to think outside I th- the box. I think there is a there, there is a theory that it's easier to generalise because then it's it, it's, it does more for, for you as a society to get a bunch of people that will do it and then have one or two that are different mm. but the thing is is having those one or two that are different they're the ones that that are suffering and now it's become more than just one or two and as i say like one in four um has mental health issues but one in six will report it within the next week that's that that's madness <sighs> and then a lot of them like there was a, a statistics on uh, women who um commit suicide through postnatal depression and it was staggeringly high number um, 2015, I think it said that 17 percent of women. My dad's um, my one of one of the ladies my dad's dad works with. Um, his daughter, 
uh, her daughter just commit suicide from postnatal depression. It's something that needs to be... I, I think it's strongly something that needs to be... There needs to be more. There is not enough help once you've had children. There is not. I don't... I, me personally, because um, obviously everybody has different things, we had enough money, or so they said. We had enough money, we had a house, we had clothes, we had... Um, all the things for the baby. Yeah. So we didn't get anything help, any sort of help afterwards. It was literally like you get, um, how many times did we see the midwife? Probably about four after mm. it was born. That's it. Mm. Uh, but it's not, it's not help when you're there. Like you can ask them the questions, but you don't see them for that long that you've probably worked out the answer to the question that you wanted to ask them anyway. Or... Do you know what I mean? I think yeah. the, the, there is a struggle with the whole budget cuts and, and it, it's yeah, left it. That. But it's leaving people if like yourself. useless Tories haven't gone in, then um, we might not have had this sort of, oh, we're going to lower taxes and then, oh, yeah, have a big tax rise. Thank you very much. That's stupid. That's yes, <laughs> okay. I digress. <laughs> well, when it comes to... Now your your little ones are a little older, yep. and you're working more on yourself now. How are you feeling about your own mental health issues now? Uh, I still have good days and bad days. I don't think I'll ever be over it, and I, I, I'm sure that most other people with mental health problems don't ever feel like they'll be over it. You just think that hopefully one day I'll be able to cope with it enough that. It doesn't... There'll be more good days than bad. Yeah, yeah. So you'll you'll just balance everything. Better days. I don't want no rubbish days. I'll just have some good days, thank you. And then, hopefully, one day, there'll just be a little handful of tiny bad days. By the time I'm old, I'll really not care about anything, will I? So I'll just be, like, running free on my cruisers. <laughs> my boobs hanging low. <laughs> it's true, though, isn't it? It's so, not going to happen to me. <laughs> So, do you have any tips for anybody who's listening, who's might be a mother that's struggling, or somebody who is struggling, that's had mental health issues for the entirety of their life? Mm, what would I advise you to do? I would definitely ask you to reach out for help. Um, maybe not a doctor, but maybe if you feel that that would be the right thing. Um, Try and talk to somebody, anybody, because there is somebody listening. And even if you do it on... We've had loads of people, like, uh, doing mental health awareness week and all this, showing it on Facebook. If somebody is in help, uh, need of help, just show it, because somebody will listen, and there is always somebody listening. So just please get help, because you don't want to end up doing something that you will more than likely regret and then not have a chance to tell anybody that you regret. Don't make a temporary decision, a permanent decision for a temporary feeling. Yeah, because... Because, let's face it, depression, as we've said earlier, it doesn't just work as a constant. You have good days, you have bad days. And Um, that one bad day can send you down. But you, if you manage to speak to somebody, it could give you several good days after. Might not be the best days, but good in comparison. Yeah. Yeah, I always feel that, right, there's another one. I did hear, hear this off somebody, so it's not me. But basically, if you're on that low day, hit the reset button. That's all you can do is hit the reset button. That's your first starting day. Everything or nothing can get worse from that point. Everything can get better. 
So try and work like that for every day. Press the reset button and just start your day fresh and try. If you don't amount to anything, if you don't amount... Just getting out of bed's a good day for some people. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, Even just making your bed. Thing. Yeah, little things are the best things. So, and a lot of people don't think that it's the big things, you know, money and all this. It's not. It's the little things that matter. And certain things can drive me nuts. Like, where I used to live... Like, Toilet rolls, for instance, is probably an OCD thing, but it's it used to send my mental health off because it'd drive me nuts. And then I'd be like, well, I, can't, I just can't understand why it can't be done. And, uh, and it, but yeah, just ask for help, reset button, um, and try and try and try and just be you because we're all beautiful. No, we are. Yeah, we We're are. We're all beautiful in individual, different ways. And just because somebody thinks you're weird, quirky, odd, doesn't mean you are. It, You are you. There's nothing wrong with being different, there's though. There's nothing... I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with being different, <laughs> but what I'm saying is, you are you, and people will call you what they want, and they are the people that need to look at themselves. Do you know, the odds of you being you is one in 400 trillion. There you go. And that makes you special, okay? So you be the special person. And just because just because you're having a bad day doesn't mean that this will be the only day. You've got 365 days a year, haven't you? Yep. Out of those, at least five of them should be good. <laughs> Come on. I mean, when you think about it, it's got to be good. So just try and have an okay day. Try and, try and smile if you can. If you can't, just just let it out just let it out because i think the the takeaway from this i'm going to say from my point of view is listen yeah. and i don't mean just as an adult i mean listen to kids like don't get me wrong we all have i'm speaking from a mother's point of view myself sometimes it's very very hard to listen but generally kids if you just take a minute to breathe and listen they've got something to say even if it's 20 things that are babbling that one thing could be the one thing that really saves them from so much trouble yeah. as yourself. If somebody had actually listened, then maybe you would have been able to have that stepping stone. If I'd have asked for help as well, I might have got a bit more of my parents. Like, if I'd have gone to my parents and asked for help, I'm sure they would have done it, but I felt so ashamed of how I was feeling, yeah. which is not good. No. So but a lot of people do feel that. And that's another, there you go, that's another one. Don't be ashamed for how you're feeling. No. Sometimes we just work differently. Yeah. And that's that's absolutely fine. Sometimes you do need the help. Sometimes it is hard to ask for help. And it's not a sign of weakness. No. You're, you're not, you're, we're all, we all have our cracks. Everybody has Everybody cracks. has cracks. We all have our wobbles. I like to say, you know, be a weebo. You wobble, but you don't fall down. Yeah. And... Can I say one more thing? Of course right. you can. This one more thing. Um, I don't know, you probably know the figures better than I do, but um, the mental health thing, it's supposed to be like one in four people yeah. in their life or something yeah. will suffer with mental health issues. I think that's bullshit. Excuse my language. No, go I'm for sorry, it. Sorry, but it is absolute twaddle because every single person that I know of has had a mental health problem. Every single one of them. At least... I mean, even my dad's had a moment of, like, extreme yeah. emotion where he's just not been able to deal with it. So, 
And my dad's quite a strong, proud, you know, man's man, you know. So if he can feel it, everybody feels it. And I, I just don't be ashamed of it. It's it's not it's I'm, not a one in four. It's an everybody thing. I think you've ended on a good note. You're not alone. You're not alone. And you might feel it, but you're not alone. I I can I can honestly say, in doing all of this and and learning more and more about it. See, the figures are staggering, but it's more the figures that aren't talking. Yeah. That what they aren't saying is, what about those other three that aren't reporting it? Mm-hmm. Reach out, speak out, no, and should. listen. Yeah. Reach yeah. out, speak out, listen. listen. Uh? <laughs> and on that note, we've come to an, at the end of another episode. I hope you've enjoyed it and had a good brew and a cup of tea. Um, same thing, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Uh, Thank you for being on my podcast. Thank you ever so much for having me. And uh, we'll see you next episode. Good day, good brew. If you like this episode and want to listen to more, I have over 60 episodes of A Cuppa With. And they go from me talking on my own about subjects and stories of my life to others. And some people I've spoken to have incredible, incredible stories. And that's what it's all about. Talking about people's stories over a cup of tea and having those open conversations so like i say if you like share subscribe rate that's all appreciated and thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this